Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. And I was thinking about how people say, don't put God in a box. Well, one week, a while ago, I read a book to the kids at school called Not a Box by Antoinette Portis. It's a book about imagination. An unseen narrator asks a rabbit, why are you sitting in that box? The ensuing pages record the rabbit's responses. He insists it's not a box, while the illustrations show indeed that in the rabbit's mind, the box is something else and the rabbit is busy outside of it. It's a skyscraper, it's a rocket ship, it's a hot air balloon. Well, I write frequently about the absolute integrity and truthfulness of scripture, and that the only reason we can say the Bible is absolutely true is because it is the revealed word from a living and holy God. His word is contained in the Bible and nowhere else. Now, to be sure, we can see his qualities in creation, which revealed his creative power and his divine nature, Romans 1, 19 to 20. But his revealed will to humans, that's in the Bible and the Bible alone. However, charismatics rely on experience as a standard of what God is revealing to them. And they put their experience as high or even higher than the word as revealed in the Bible. If something spiritual happened to them, they believe it is real. And it therefore really reveals something God is doing or saying or thinking or whatever. When I show that charismatic experiences count as nothing, that they are unbiblical, unworthy of attention, and deceptive. I receive sponsors saying, don't put God in a box, or don't limit God. Now, let's take a look at what a person is really saying when they say those things. First, God cannot ever be put in a box, nor can humans um, ever limit God. The thought is just absurd. However, as he has chosen to reveal himself and his will, he is confined to pages of scripture. Secondly, experience never trumps scripture, ever. You can have all the passion you want for God to the point that at spiritual events, you jerk around so much, you look like bacon in a fry pan. But that is not truth. It's not doctrine, and it's not from God. That isn't even passion. It's only impulses, and you're being led astray. Jude 1.4. If a person has a dream or a vision that's especially vivid, they say it's from God, and that God is talking directly to them. And I mean you, Beth Moore, Sarah Young, Kim Walker-Smith, and so on. They ascribe all due 
spiritual gravitas to their experience. And they go about replaying it for any and all who would listen and many who would not. They make themselves the hero of the story. And that's the problem with experience over Bible. If confronted with the fact that though the spirit is alive and working in sanctified Christians, but that tongues and miracles and signs have ceased, that's when they trot out the charge that by denying their experience as uniquely sent to them by God, we are putting God in a box. Well, we know he is limitless. That's not the issue. However, he said he will operate in certain ways. During this church age, he has said that he will use the spirit to grow us in sanctification and will illuminate the scriptures to us. John 16, 13 to 14. He won't suddenly decide instead to skywrite messages he wants us to know. I mean, he can, but he won't. And he has also said that he listens to prayer as a method of communication. Philippians 4, 6. However, he won't suddenly put notes in our mailbox, like in the shack, or call us personally. He can, but he won't. Though we know he is alive, he is in heaven and will not come back until the day. Matthew twenty six sixty four. He won't appear in our bathroom while we are shaving to put his arm around us, as one guy actually said. He can, but he won't. We know he can do things, but we have confidence that he won't. Now, why is this? Well, he speaks through his word, his son, and his spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16, Hebrews 1, 1 1-2, John 14.17, and 1 Corinthians 3.16. He has said how he will operate. He spoke through men to write down his word, and he doesn't break his promises. Let's talk about inspiring men to write the word. The definition of inspiration is from karm.org, quote, Inspiration is the doctrine that the Bible was written by the influence of God. It is, therefore, without error in the original documents. It is accurate and authoritatively represents God's teachings. 2 Timothy 3.16 As such, it is a revelation from God, which implies direct knowledge about God and creation, and man, and salvation, and the future, etc. It is an illumination in that it shows us what we could not know apart from it. Now, it's karm.org. Now, we cannot know apart from the word. This includes experience. This includes knowing something of God because he supposedly rained gold dust down, or put a thought in your head, or seemed to heal a guy at a faith crusade. 
Yet the charismatic will cite John 21, 25, which says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And they will say, see, Jesus did many other things. We can't limit him. Well, we're not limiting him by acknowledging what scripture says, that he performed many other wondrous things during his incarnation. It's just that we don't know what they were. He did not reveal these other things. Any speculations on what those were is just that, speculation, guesswork. If God had wanted us to know them, he would have put them in scripture. That he didn't is no excuse to make some up. He told us not to go beyond what is written. 1 Corinthians 4, 6. The problem is the people who take God out of the box and rely on their experience are really people who want to make God into what they want him to be. It's pride. Pride in the vision they had, pride in alleged special relationship to Christ, who, after all, gave them a second blessing when they asked to be filled with the Spirit. His sovereign will is different from his revealed will. He has hidden from us some things he intends to do. The most glaring examples of his inscrutability on some matters are what was he doing before creation? And also, what will we do in eternity? And even in scripture, Jesus spoke something but then hid it. He did not reveal it and he didn't want it revealed. In Revelation, he showed John, the revelator, the judgment of seven thunders. But then he said, do not write them down. Revelation 10.4. Just the other day, someone asked me to interpret the seven thunders. And I said I could not because it's not in the Bible. And we can't speculate. His revealed will is just that, revealed. He has set down in words through men via the Spirit, what he wants us to know about him and what he wants us to know about what he plans to do and what he wants us to know to do for him. It's all there. Therefore, God is in a box, at least as far as the pages of Scripture go. And isn't that enough? It should be enough. We can delve all our long sanctifying lives into scripture and we'll never get to the bottom of it. Why add experience to something that's already living and active and infinite? Because you see, once we take God out of the box and make him into whatever we want him to be, once you take him out of the pages of scripture, you say, it's not a box, it's a high rise. My God is a fireman. Another one says his experience is different. It says, no, my God is an astronaut in a rocket. 
And then we have so many different gods running around with no understanding of the true God. Errol Hulse wrote in his book, The Blessings, Main Problem and Dangers of the Charismatic Experience that, quote, many charismatics have a preoccupation with experience. He wrote, quote, during 1977, a believer described two revivals that he had witnessed in Borneo. The first was classic in the sense that it was typical of revivals from the centuries, preaching, conviction of sin, repentance, and transformation of life were those predominating features. Well, a second revival, which followed a couple years later, was charismatic in character. The speaker himself reflected the impact that the second revival had upon him personally. He gave description after description of visions, exorcisms, healings, spirit baptisms, and sensational events. One felt while listening to this account that the word of God had been supplanted by all those externals. It is possible to become so enamored with the extraordinary, with excitements and sensational happenings, that such matters do become the daily diet of believers. Eventually, it's all they can talk about, which is mostly the hallmark of most charismatic books. Scripture is supplanted by the narration of events, which goes on ad infinitum. Many charismatics who want that God out of a box claim that by us conservatives sticking to scripture, we are denying the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, not so. The great theologian J. Gresham Macon, hope I pronounced that right, wrote, quote, Meanwhile, we have the Holy Spirit and we have the scripture of the Old and New Testaments that the Holy Spirit uses. Much mischief has been wrought in the church by the false notions of the witness of the Spirit. It has sometimes been supposed that the Holy Spirit makes us independent of the Bible, but no, the opposite is the case. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He does not contradict in one generation what he has said in another. He does not contradict the scriptures that he himself has given. On the contrary, what he really does is make the words of scripture glow with a heavenly light and burn in the hearts of men. The scriptures are placed in your hands. You may not say with the prophets of old, God has spoken directly and independently to me. I appeal to no external authority when I speak. It is thus saith the Lord. But you can do something else. You can mount the pulpit stairs. Open reverently the Bible on the desk. Pray to the gracious spirit to make plain the words that he has spoken. And so unfold to needy people the word of God. That was J. Gresham Macon. Well, 
Taking God out of the box, i.e. the pages of scripture, opens you up to all sorts of mischief. Holtz concludes, quote, Jesus is Lord indeed. He has been exalted, crowned, and celebrated, and is adulated because he has procured our justification by the agonies of the cross. Any obscuring of that, his greatest achievement is to defame his glory. If experience is permitted to gobble up doctrine, if love is allowed to devour principle, if sentiment is suffered to obscure justification by faith alone, then how will the world's multitudes be saved? How can Jesus be Lord for them? Satan will continue to have dominion over them. Those who are ready to unite on the basis of love and common charismatic experience at the expense of justification should remember that in doing so, they will be celebrating the lordship of Satan, not the lordship of Christ. And that was Errol Hulse concluding. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast, urging once again to stay in the word. Don't let experience pollute your experience, pollute your thoughts and your doctrine. Stay in the word, praise the Lord, and put one foot in front of the other every day until the day comes when he calls us home. Have a wonderful weekend. This has been Elizabeth Prada for the End Time Blog Podcast. Uh-huh.